Hi, this is Natalie Lander, voice of Kinsey, Tara Branford, Stargirl, and many others. You are listening to a W2Mnet podcast. You can visit W2Mnet.com for other podcasts about entertainment, video games, sports, and wrestling. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Soccer to the Max. And sorry if you were watching on YouTube, wanted to watch this on YouTube for the uh, return edition. Uh, we learned our hard lesson that we cannot use highlights for the show at all, as it uh, got blocked by every single one of the providers, basically, of those highlights. So now you know, if you're watching on Twitch last week, I'm sorry, you're going to have to just look at us, uh, look at our faces, uh, probably a little bit more than you want to. But unfortunately, like gaming is pretty much like the only thing that apparently you could do that for everything else is so picky about that kind of thing. But it is what it is. Technically not our content, so you can't use it. And, you know, you may also notice uh, Rachel is not with us right now. She's recording another podcast that she has. Um, so hopefully she's looking to change those days so, you know, we can have uh, the triumphant here every week. <laughs> but Eric, as you can see on video, or if you're listening on audio, Eric Watkins is here with me. Yeah, well, at least I can say that I now have more than one video that's been taken down off of YouTube, and yeah, I don't know, maybe should I push for a hat trick with something else? Should I tempt fate? I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I guess you could uh, just play NFL highlights on the kickoff, see how far that gets you. I'm tempted, I'm just saying. You never know, maybe maybe it'll, maybe it'll go through, nobody will just no- will notice at all <laughs> um, that that is the thing. You know, this week, it's uh, a little bit more off-the-pitch stuff that we're going to talk about as far as, you know, our topics and, and headlines. Because, man, it feels like there was a, a lot of things happening that the Navy shouldn't be having or, or some question marks now that are being brought up by different leagues going on. So without further delay, let's get into our headlines here. And to start off, we got to start with the drama that happened in Nice with Marseille and Nice. Of course, Marseille is my uh, French league team, so try to pay as much attention as I can. Unfortunately, because they are on BN Sport, can't watch them here uh, live. Uh, try to watch, you know, at least the highlights of the game and everything. And uh, the highlights were very much taken over by what happened in the 75th minute, as basically where Marseille is trying to go take a corner. And one of the the players, uh, Payet, is the one taking the corner. He gets a water bottle thrown at him by one of the ultras. He throws the water bottle back at the fan that threw it at him. And then another water bottle comes down. And then chaos ensues. You have other players coming over from uh, Marseille, Alvaro Gonzalez, and then Mateo Guendosi, you know, also. And then... All of a sudden, just you see several ultras just come down onto the pitch from the stands. There's even a picture in the keep of one of the fans like kicking at Payet and everything. Several players after the match, um, the French League tried to demand that the the game was restarted. And then Marseille didn't show up. Uh, Nice players came out. The referee actually blown the whistle and everything. And Marseille players never came back out. And, you know, honestly with how they probably felt that they were not going to be protected. And what if this happened again, right? What if one of the uh, ultras just came down and did this again? 
you know, and, and so they just didn't come out and a forfeit was basically given to Marseille and Nice were given a three nil victory. That is, is not the, the best thing because technically Nice was already winning. They were already winning one nil. So did you really need to add on more uh, to that? And then also just, it's crazy that even Nice players had to go and kind of fight with the fans as well to kind of get them to calm down. And it, it was an absolute just ridiculous scene, uh, Eric. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the what what has happened or anything. I I did hear about that, especially the forfeit. And reading everything and seeing a couple of highlights, I immediately thought about a video that I saw flashing back to the Malice at the Palace. Yeah. The, NBA game between the Pistons and Pacers over 15 years ago. Yeah, I think 2003, right? Yeah, 2003, 2004, thereabouts. But with those images and reading everything about the Ultras, I get how the players handled it, but I really think legal FFF, they made a mistake. I mean, yes... There was still a good 15 minutes or so left in the match. But it's something like that. If you played that much of the match, you can go ahead and let the results stand. Yeah, and it's crazy because the referee had already decided to abandon the match. He had made the decision. So it's like, why did you have to come and overrule the referee and make that decision and say, okay, well, just because, oh, well, we have a new provider with Amazon and everything else, and now we have to start this match up again? It's like... And that, that makes you look even worse because it should be about player safety. If you've exactly. got ultras that wild up and where they're throwing things and the, their own team has to go ahead and calm them down, what is the point of trying to restart the match? None. Yeah. I mean, that, these players could help. get hurt. Marseille players could yeah. got hurt. And players did get hurt. hurt. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you saw pictures. There was uh, one of the players had like a big old uh, looks like he had a slash on his neck. Uh, another player had like bruising around his neck, and uh, Payette also had scratches on his back. I mean, it's stuff that doesn't need to be happening in, in sports in a game. No. Regardless, I mean, Nice, uh, you know, went on and blamed Marseille. Marseille blamed Nice. Nobody took authority of this, and nobody really went and tried to blame the fans either. Like, no, the fans it are going to if the fans. Though. It doesn't matter if the player went and threw a water bottle at you. You threw it at him first, and then you threw him at him again. And it's not like he did the Artest thing, which is ridiculous, right? Artest went and, and into the stands and attacked yeah. the guy physically. This is different. Like, you could have just left it at, okay, he threw something at me, whatever, and, and you can yell whatever you want. But once you start getting physical and you start coming onto the pitch, which is the player's ground, this is the player's where they're playing, they're putting their bodies on the line, they're they're being paid to entertain you, and you're coming on to you know, their playground, all bets are off at that point. I get it, security can't hold that many people at once. I mean, obviously that was inevitable. But it's just like, at some point, somebody needs to go and say, you know what, Nice, your next game is behind closed doors. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Just, like, just like what happens with Mexico with a freaking chant. Mm-hmm. Right, where we've got to the point where they haven't got to the point where they've abandoned the match, but they've they've had situations where they've had to do warnings and all that stuff. 
Yeah, they've come close. A couple of times they've come close. Now, obviously, it's a big deal. It's a homophobic chant. It shouldn't be done. And it seems like the fans are starting to get it, right? Because guess what happens? Mexico now has to play World Cup qualifiers for a while without fans. Yeah, I believe it's their first two qualifiers behind those doors. Which we're going to talk about, you know, those World Cup qualifiers in a little bit. That makes a big difference for Mexico at Azteca, having those fans. I mean, Azteca is a, you know, you already have the altitude that's a problem. And then you add in those fans, that's a bigger deal. I mean, obviously, all the CONCACAF teams are kind of used to it. But it's a different atmosphere at Azteca without those fans. So, like, I get it. You know, ultras can be your best fans. They're the ones that lead the chance or the ones that really get everybody kind of riled up in a, in a good way. But this shows the bad side. It, it really does. And there's an old saying, uh, Coach Krzyzewski, you have a fire. You can use the fire to heat your building, or you can use it to burn the building down. It goes one of two ways. If you go ahead and you say, hey, all right, let's go. Let's get this. Pump up the crowd so you have that extra energy the players can eat off of. That's one thing. But if you have this to where you get so rabid that it's like, okay, you feel the need to really put this into your own hands in the worst way, there's got to be major consequences. I think someone who does deserve the blame on the Marseille side is Jorge Sampioli. Because instead of being the coach that kind of starts shielding your players and telling them, hey, go off, go to the the changing room, Mm -hmm. all that stuff, like he gets into it. He starts yelling and scre- you know, screaming and, and acting like a little kid and jumping up and down. And you are the coach. You're the manager. Act like it. I get it that you want to show your players that you're defending them, but they totally get it. At some point, they all get it. Like They got why the Nice players had to start shielding them and telling them to, to back off and everything. Yeah. Because if you keep going against the fan, they're going to get more riled up and it's going to be worse. As much as you want to say, okay, the fans shouldn't do that. The fans, you know, don't need to get involved. And they don't. They need to not act like animals. They need to not act like children. Like, act like an adult. Understand that's another adult, another human on the other side. You, the player, at some point, you got to kind of take the high road and just say, listen, that's it. We're out of here. You know, now, if they keep being an aggressor at some point, you got to defend yourself. But the coach should be the first one trying to get the players off. Yeah, right? And that's you- not what he was doing. And then he goes and gets a backpack and acts like he's going to leave. And it's like, what? What are you doing? Like, you're not acting like a manager at that point. Uh, and yeah. I get it. Part of that is also because they were losing at that point. So, you know, I, he was trying to make a little bit of a statement. That's the wrong not- way to make a statement in that instance. Yeah. And, and giving Nice a forfeiture victory was not the way to handle that. That gives the fans a sort of a cop-out. Oh, we can do that again because our team's going to get a victory out of this. That is the wrong message. End the match. It's postponed. You know, if you don't want to give Marseille a victory because they were down, that's fine. But you count it as no game. And you either decide whether you're going to replay the match again, you're going to replay the match for the 75th minute later, or you're just going to, it's postponed and and you just act like you don't have that match. Like you're, you're just, you have one less game that against the others, right? Yeah, and at this point, with this being so early in the season, there are dates to where you could make that game off. 
Yeah, it's the decision to just yeah. give the game to Nice that bothers me because it doesn't help what happened. It no. makes what happened almost seem like we're going to give that team a gift. I get it that Nice also can't go out and control all those fans at the same time, but they're your fans. And what does you know? also, not only this message for fans of Nice, what about some of these other teams? Right. What message does that send to them if they want to go ahead and try a stunt like this? Yeah, exactly. We don't. I mean, there's ultras everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and all it takes is something like that. And hopefully this is an isolated incident. I mean, this is now the second time this season has already happened in Marseille where they had to have a uh, stoppage of a game. And this one went full tilt. And it's terrible that this happened. But honestly, all bad marks from the French league wanting to start the game again, not agreeing with the player that the players were not safe in that environment. That's 15 more minutes. Somebody could do something else. What if there's another corner in that same area and they do it again? Like Mm -hmm. that does not help anyone. They shouldn't have given the mass knees. There should be reprimands for both squads at this point. And then you got to do something to have the fans understand you don't do this. Guess what? The next knees game behind closed doors. No fans at all. So y'all can understand that there are repercussions for this kind of thing. Yeah. And not not only, okay, have the next match behind closed doors, single out those fans and say, okay, some sort of version for so many months of banning orders. Yeah. Banning orders or go and uh, get them legally. Mm -hmm. You know, that would have helped a lot in the run our test situation, which didn't happen is. Go after that fan legally that threw the through the bottle or through the you know the beer or whatever. Like it's like Absolutely. There should be repercussions for doing something like that because you did that to somebody on the street, there's legal repercussions, right? Yeah. So that's assault. That should be the same way when they're on that pitch right there. Just bad marks all around on that play. Merrick, the MLS All Star Skills Challenge is actually happening right now. (laughs) The all-Star game between Liga MX All-Stars and the MLS All-Stars happens tomorrow in Las Vegas. A lot of big-time players are not going to be playing in this game. Carlos Vela just uh, got injured. Chicharito's been hurt, and he's not going to be in that game. I think Carlos uh, Carlos Gil, who's an English international, is not going to be playing either. Gignac on the Mexican side is not going to be playing, which is one of their biggest uh, stars that would be representing in that game. Quite a few of the big names that you were hoping to sell this thing on are not playing. Uh, the local Pizarro was then added, or yesterday, to help with that. Uh, and I'm sure they will add in, I think a Legette was also added to add into that squad as well. So they're adding players in to that MLS roster to help. I wonder if, is this the way to go forward for, for MLS as far as that All-Star game goes? Like, do you feel like this is a way there's been talk of, you know, pushing it back to the East versus West thing and have it be an actual real all-star game. We used to have the whole, a big international team comes mm-hmm. with during their preseason basically and plays this game. Yeah. Where are you on that? Like, which one do you prefer? Honestly, while with really the hyper expansion of the league these past several years. East-West would be something to revisit, get more familiarized with a lot of American names or big names with these MLS teams. Given the grand picture, it is the perfect thing to keep it as MLS 
Liemekis. Because you're doing this to really start planting the idea ahead of the United World Cup in 2026. You've already got all kinds of different cup competitions between the two leagues. To me, this is logical. You have exposure with both of these leagues as being some of the top ones here in the U.S. and in Mexico. Yes, it is unfortunate for this first edition that you're going to have some big names out, but a lot of times that tends to be the case just about every year. So, while, yeah, it's a bit of bad timing, next year it'll end up being a different story. But it's less hassle as far as scheduling, really less hassle as far as travel or any sort of other logistics. Yeah, East-West would be even easier, but I think since you're saying MLS versus somebody, and that seems to have been the way for the longest time, this is the easiest. For me, I've I've liked this version better than an East-West, and I also like this version better than the international team coming. Mm-hmm. Because number one, yes, sometimes the international team does send a lot of their big players. But sometimes they don't. And no. you get like a B squad playing the MLS All-Star. And then yeah. MLS tries to make it a big deal still about the fact that, oh, they beat Real Madrid or they beat yeah. Juventus. Or... Not to mention, even with a lot of those international teams, what was their approach? Pretty much wholesale changes and substitutions in the for after halftime. Because they're or like, even okay. before halftime sometimes. Exactly, because it's all right. This is preseason. We need to get everybody minutes, figure out our starting 11. But for MLS, it's like, oh, this is our peak. This is our best. And it's like, yeah. eh. And then also it like goes better with the whole fact that it's an all-star game, right? Like mm-hmm. MLS basically changes the entire team at halftime to let the other players play. Yep. And, and then, you know, the, the Liga Mekis team can do the same thing, get other players in there. again. You're maybe not getting the best of the best, the best Liga Mekis players either. But I mean, a lot of the very much just like the U.S. men's national team, a lot of the Mexican national team players are now playing in Europe. You're not going to see some of those uh, players that maybe you see when Mexico plays uh, someone or whatever, when Mexico plays a World Cup qualifier. So, but even then, I think what is important is, like you said, it's more about we already have all these competitions from U.S. plays Mexico. Mm-hmm. The Liga Mekis plays MLS. Basically, the new the League's Cup is basically set up so that it's MLS versus uh, Liga Mekis teams always at the end anyway. Just go ahead. Go ahead and stop with the – I mean, I get it. There's also a marketing thing here because some is the marketing for both Liga and Mekis and uh, on the English side and for uh, MLS. So oh, there's that as well. But, but going beyond just the you know the whole marketing schema here, I, I understand that most people will say, well, this is not broadening your horizons, right? This is not broadening the scope of MLS. I feel like we need to just be realistic at this point. There is no more broadening of MLS. No. MLS is not going to get that much broader. As more and more and more availability of European leagues in the United States exists with the great players that go to those leagues, especially the EPL uh, you know, Serie A is on Paramount Plus now. Uh, La Liga is with ESPN now. Even though they don't have Messi anymore, it's still a huge get with still some major, major players there. I don't know if 
somebody will try to do more with BN now and, and make Liga available in more places so that you can watch Messi in the two years that he's going to be there. Not to mention, it feels like he is just going to be there for the two years and then go back to Barcelona. So eventually Maybe. you may get him back in, in the Liga. Your uh, rumor that you had brought up about Ronaldo, now they're talking about Manchester City, that rumor of him joining Messi and PSG was also being floated around too. So that's interesting what winds up happening before we get to this transfer window closing. It's just like we're seeing more and more American fans be knowledgeable and understanding that there are other leagues out there and the MLS players are being sold at a higher rate now to Bundesliga, to to other leagues. When you're talking about and going back to old Don Garber's mission, oh, we want to be a top 10 league, we've got a long ways to go. You really want to go ahead and broaden MLS? It's exactly what's happening now. We're developing a lot of talent. We're exposing Mm -hmm. that. And what do you know? You're starting to see more and more MLS players go to European top five leagues, have more and more steadily success in these leagues. This is what you want to happen. Why go with anything and all this and that with these teams when you're getting these same players on TV all the time, all these other teams, and then we get that feedback, bring him back to the U.S., for U.S. national team, look at how well that's going. So with something like this, I mean, Japan, they figured it out a long time ago. Their first division all-stars play the K-League all-stars from South Korea. You have these national rivalries. It kind of helps promote that, too. The answer's just right there. Yeah, and then, I mean, it also just, you still have some of this, like, Liga Mekis players going to MLS, like, you have some of that rivalry as well. Like, oh, yeah. Carlos Bella chose to go to LA instead of going to a Liga Mekis club. Like, so it's something interesting and it kind of furthers that. Yes, you're keeping things in CONCACAF. You're keeping things in North America. You're not broadening it to the other parts of the world. But let's be honest, man. Like, the other parts of the world have their leagues that are, mm-hmm. that they love. And I mean, you, you might see them if one of their players goes over to MLS. If Messi or Ronaldo do eventually go to an MLS team, will which there is be another more? rumor that's starting to swirl around, right? But I, I definitely Messi that could be in his two-year stint. Could he go to an MLS team instead of going to back to Barcelona? We'll see. We just gotta understand. Players are gonna come when they feel like mm-hmm. coming. Players that don't work out in Europe, the American players, and come back. Okay, Daryl DK, right? So yeah. I mean. I think this is a good way right now. Maybe mm-hmm. in five years, we can talk about something else. Let's, let's see what happens with this new TV deal, who winds up with the rights and everything, what ha- winds up happening with that. But I think right now, the way it is, we just kind of have to accept things the way they are. The league is good, but trying to shoehorn it in and make other people try to care about it is not going to make it better. Let's try to improve the national team. Absolutely. Because go that route. other continents are really doing the same thing that we are. They are becoming more and more insular. Yes, you could say the standard of play, level of talent, everything is better. I completely get that. But if you want to do the same thing, 
you want to step up to that level, well, you have to take care of things closer to home first. It's it's going to be fun uh, mm-hmm. to watch this. I won't get to watch it live because of work, but you know, something I can definitely watch on demand later and check it out. It's it, There's always some fun stuff, and it always kind of goes to the wire a lot of times. And Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's see if there's some broadening rivals. But I think it's also good because, again, like, Liga and Mekis players get to see, you know, the quality of the MLS players. And maybe it does eventually bring some of those Liga and Mekis players to an MLS team. I think this is all uh, all a good thing for, for the foreseeable future for them to keep doing this. Especially, you know, like you said, with the World Cup in 2026 yeah. being a thing. So let's go into one of our uh, topics here. After this weekend, now... Should note that Liverpool beat Burnley 2-0 and also Manchester United maybe have a bigger gripe. They wound up drawing with Southampton uh, in a game that they probably shouldn't have drawn. So much for my winning the league chant. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll see. But I, I definitely think like there's two points dropped there. But I think the two points dropped that we're alluding to with uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and also Jurgen Klopp coming in and talking about afterwards about I feel like the Premier League in this whole let it flow thing is not protecting the play. So I want to like read a little bit of what each manager had to say regarding this whole decision, right? Because this is coming after the Euros where they kind yeah. of took this approach as well. You need to let the players play. Don't call every single foul. Don't call everything that seems kind of objectionable. Don't get, don't involve VAR so much on the penalty decision. You know, those kind of things. So this is what Solskjaer had to say. It seems that football has gone from one extreme to another. This has effects to them because Jack Stevens kind of runs into Bruno Fernandes and then it starts the goal that winds up happening for uh, Shea Adam. To me, yeah, you could call that a foul if you wanted to, but I also kind of agree with the no call. You know, he's, he's also kind of going, oh, well, we were basketball last season. Now we're rugby. There should be a more lenient interpretation. It's more like men's football, but that's a clear foul. So that doesn't end there. Jurgen Klopp kind of went further with this. He said, you know, this has been a thing for a while. You might remember it. They, it, it started with elbow challenges in the air. So every elbow challenge was a whistle. Now they stopped doing that. No more soft penalties, which totally agree with. And then he, you know, goes in and saying, look, we're already early in the season. I don't want to open Pandora's box. So we need to protect the players. I get it. They're protecting their players, mm-hmm. all of this. But where do you land on this whole let it flow? Is it letting it flow too much? Or are they, or is this making the game better that we're not constantly having fouls called? I do think it's making the game better now, especially after the Euros, the whole incident and extra time in the final between England and Italy. Yes, that was a clear foul. Yes, that should have been a red card. So the referees, you still have moments to where they miss things. But if you're not constantly breaking the game down, foul after foul, free kick, and every single thing becomes a set piece, then really, what's the point of that? I don't think we've crossed the line just yet. I'm fine with this, because as is, the Premier League 
has been known as a tougher, more physical league. Yes, you do rely on a lot of speed at times, but you have to have that level of grit. To me, this just makes more sense. So, for something like this, and for them swallowing their whistle instead of calling all of those ticky-tack 50-50 fouls, I'm good with. I'm good with it. Yeah, I'm good with it, too, and I'm glad to see that they're not stopping the entire game for five minutes to figure out a penalty decision either. It's not no. as quick as the Euros. I like that a lot more where he was, you know, doing this, mm-hmm. holding his, and then letting the referee upstairs kind of make the call. We're still having a little bit too much of like, oh, this is taking too long. Now, yeah. you know, they are going and making the decisions on, you know, is this a red card? Is this a, a penalty or not? And we are seeing the referees still go and look at the, uh, you know, the camera themselves that they have to. But overall, I felt like it does flow much better. You're not seeing, you know, fouls called constantly. You're not seeing, oh, free kicks from miles away that are never going to go anywhere. It feels like, okay, there's more game going on here. And I and I really enjoy that. And I understand where Scholskyer and, and Klopp are coming from. We're not doing right by our players, all this stuff. Like, we're going too far in the other direction. There's not a middle ground here. And it's like, well, that's the problem. Like, how is there a middle ground? You have to go a little bit more the other way first yeah. to see. We're not talking about, oh, somebody's coming in with a two-footed challenge, taking out a guy, and then we keep going. You know, yeah, we're, we're not talking about. Any, yeah, yeah you're still getting the proper fouls. You're still getting some yellow cards, red cards, and things that should be. It's just, okay, you can't entirely look at the letter of the law, looking at the spirit of it, exercise a bit more judgment. And yes, sometimes these things are going to happen. Yes, as you get later and later into the season, some of these things could add up. I get it from their perspective, too. But at the same time, would you rather, okay, they take maybe one or two extra hits, maybe one or two precarious situations over a stretch, or you have to stand there and you're playing all these extra minutes of stoppage time and that wears down, wears down. Yeah, and it's it's just kind of like the handball situation, right? Yeah. It's still kind of the interpretation, depending on that referee, what they're going to do. Is this a handball? Is it, oh, it hit my, it went into the ground and then hit my arm. Is that a handball? Is, uh, he's turning around. You can obviously see he's trying not to, well, some people are going to call that a handball, some are not. You know, it's like some people are going to call that a foul and some people are not. Is that foul on Bruno a foul? To some people it might be. To some people it's not. He went and got the ball and he, he kind of ran into the player too. I mean, you could have called it. Yeah, he didn't. I'll get into, well, I kind of skipped it. I watched, that's one of the games I watched. I'm going to tell you right now, that is not the reason why Man United lost that game. They lost that game from the get-go in who was selected. It's early in the season. Mm -hmm. They have way too many players on the books that are still starting caliber players. Yeah. You've got to satisfy them at some point. You can't put everybody in. Uh, to play the Caribou Cup or the FA Cup and call it a day. They've got to play in some league matches too. I get it. Modic still has to play. But honestly, you have so much attacking talent. Do you got to play the two holding midfielders still? Like, I don't understand why 
that is the thing with Solskjaer. He's got to play that every single match. That's and his thing. The whole transition was with getting players like Sancho and Varane. It's like, all right, we're going to switch away from the 4-2-3-1. We're going to go to more 4-3-3. I was looking forward to that. I'm thinking, all right, a little bit more flair, things going up front. You have your what you wanted as your ideal midfield pairing. What was there the problem? But maybe he's just being stubborn. Maybe there was something to where the 4-3-3 isn't ready yet. I don't know, but uh, I'm with you. It's like you did this to where you were going to change things. You've had all this time to adjust and change things. Why haven't you started? Yeah, I mean, not granted. I mean, they, they put up a fight against everything. Regardless of whether Southampton's been gutted or not, as far as their bigger players mm-hmm. that they've had in the past are concerned, they're still a scrappy team. They still fight. This was the time to tinker a little bit, figure out something different and see if it works. I get it. Maybe you don't want to start Sancho because you feel like, okay, I don't want to give him the whole 90 minutes still. He's still coming back from playing with England. All that yeah. Varane, obviously, they don't feel like he's ready. You know, So they didn't start him in the back line. And it's weird because you don't start Varane, and that's when Maguire has a really bad game, which is weird for him because that's not normal for him. But he was one of the reasons why beat by, by either Adams or Armstrong. Uh, in that, you know, the center of the park there. Okay, we had a little bit of technical difficulties going on there, but I mean, you're absolutely right. There was some sort of shambles really going on, and I kind of got the feeling a little bit because of Pogba's just wizardry against the Leeds, and now he's got already his fifth assist of the season assisting on the equalizer. You don't want to get into that pattern of, okay, he's, you could say, shop window or whatever, or contract situation or whatever. Yes, he is very talismanic, but you don't want that to always be the focal point and relying on him to make some big move to just bail you out. It's early, but... I don't want to get that going. Like, I don't want to keep uh, harping on this. They still played well. They had mm-hmm. most of the possession in the game. They they were really kind of bossing that game, if you want to, you know, use that term. Uh, Pogba, yeah. I thought, still played well. They had chances. I still think Greenwood uh, is much better up front than in the midfield. That's something Solskjaer has to figure out. I don't know that Marshall really fits this team anymore, honestly. Uh, maybe he's somebody that you have to have when somebody's injured or someone just needs a day off. Doesn't fit the rest of this team. Like Bruno, Pogba, uh, Rashford, uh, now Greenwood, they all kind of have that similar style of being speedy. And I mean, with something like this, and you're making these changes, yes, fixture congestion is going to be a thing as you get deeper into the season. So, yes, you would want to keep players like Marshall around, especially if you've got, you know, your midweek Champions League matches or as you're getting, if you get deeper into the cup, that's fine. But you don't necessarily have to worry about that. You want to put your best foot forward in the league while it is the main thing you've got going on. And 
it's a little bit like outthinking the room. Yes, you're looking ahead, but don't look too far. So uh, I, I watched the highlights of this. I didn't watch the, the whole mm-hmm. theme. Uh, from the highlights, I mean, there was a lot going on that Kali Classico. <laughs> I mean, now, the first half, it was kind of eh, hit or miss. But the second half, I don't know what it was with San Jose just continuing flooding the attacking third, pushing, pushing. Jonathan Bond, two, three, four tremendous saves. Almost at some point flopping around like a fish, keeping the ball out of the net for the longest time. But it came down incredible plays off corners. San Jose got that late equalizer after, you know... To put it mildly, there was specific interests that I may have had with the draw being the optimal result, leaving it at that. But in the end, San Jose just had that one last push, and while LA, the last five, ten minutes, had great chances to win, the Earthquakes defense just locked down. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I think L.A. had won the first two already, and mm-hmm. San Jose had been on a great run of form. Uh, they're now, what, 10, 10 unbeaten, a 10-game run unbeaten. So from what I have been able to see, San Jose looked really good in that that game and uh, both they those did. goals. <laughs> For being a Cali Classico, that's what you want. You want those Classico games to be down to the wire. I had that same thing with FC Dallas and Houston as well. Uh, like FC Dallas uh, had to get the two goals on coming back to make the game a draw, and Ricardo Pepe again scoring, who's you know been absolutely awesome this year already for them. I like I'm just glad that they they had lost two games that that one against Seattle that really hurt because they had been able to keep the game nil uh, nil for so long and then lose right then. To come back and at least get a point was good because you got to keep yourself in that playoff race there to try to fight for seventh or sixth. And Houston's down at the bottom now after that that point as well, which is crazy considering who's been at the bottom for most of the this season. And now, now they get to play Austin next week, so uh, that's going to be Ooh. fun. The other Texas, Texas other Texas derby so far. <laughs> Moving on to our last of the topics here, and it's one that was kind of a decision that was made. Today, as we're talking here, it was made earlier today, at least for the English Premier League. Uh, and I think La Liga has already stated that they're kind of in agreement with this. I don't know where the other big leagues are at this time with this. But English Premier League has, due to COVID reasons, with whoever the UK has on their red list, which right now is a lot of countries in South America, Peru, Brazil, Argentina, Chile. And then you go over to Asia, Africa as well, are on that list. Mohamed Salah cannot go play for Egypt nope. during these World Cup qualifiers right now. Uh, so Richarlson, Rafinha, all these other Brazilian players that are in the EPL cannot be released to their squads to play for World Cup qualifying. Same thing with the Argentinian players. Uh, the same thing would be for, I guess, the Paraguayan players in La Liga. There are a lot of those and, and and they're saying, they're coming out and saying that basically FIFA overstepped their bound. That FIFA should have taken this into account before making this ruling, which technically is always the standard ruling for FIFA. You have to release your players to World Cup qualifiers 
or European Cup qualifiers or whatever, you know? Do you feel like this shouldn't – where mean, do you stand on this? It's going to sound a little bit callous, and you're going to be taking away from the international game a little bit. I'm siding with the leagues, and Mo Salah is a perfect example because he goes ahead, he plays the Egypt and World Cup qualifying. He comes back. By UK rules, he's got to quarantine for like 14 days. 10 days. Or 10 days. He's going to miss two Premier League matches. Even though it's early in the season, this is going to happen again as you get more international breaks going on. Those matches could end up very, very important. Not to mention, for as much as you have the glory for international tournaments for your country, I completely get that. Your clubs are the ones signing the big checks. Your clubs are the ones paying the bigger money and reaping all those benefits. So, really, the club looking after their players and their investments, I understand that. Now, with the nature of everything going on, very fluid, and as the months come, things change, I entirely get it. But the way things stand right now, I'm with the leagues. They've got their interests. They've got to protect themselves, especially if anything happens when a player comes back, and then they have issues to where they've got league matches postponed, canceled, etc., then what? You don't really want to start that snowball rolling. Yeah, it's that's the thing. It's not only protecting the player, it's protecting the entire squad. Mm-hmm. Right? Because then you have a COVID outbreak in the squad. We saw what yep. happened to Bayern to start the season. They had to play that first game with a lot, a lot of their players because of COVID mm-hmm. rules. Kristen Pelusic is now you know, COVID positive, so he may not be able to play for the U.S. men's national team. Yeah, I I mean, as much as we have these, and especially right now, gearing up towards Qatar, it it, it doesn't really make much sense. Because for all those like us who are gearing up towards World Cup qualifiers and all these different things, a lot of people are more excited about seeing the players for their clubs and for Champions League and things like that. Which, especially if things change, even within these other countries... That's something that you would have to worry about as the months come up. So, Yeah, I mean, this is only probably going to get worse as we get mm-hmm. to like holiday season with more people being inside and get into colder months and a lot of uh, not just the United States, but in other areas, you know, in other, especially Europe and all of that. So, you know, whereas you feel like it's being hit hard in the United States here, it may hit harder in Europe again. That's the thing. This is not going to just be a, this is not a September thing. This is an October thing. It's a November thing. It's going to keep on throughout this year as much as, you know, we don't want to talk about it and we want to be happy about, oh my God, look at all these, these stands, look at the stands, especially the EPL, how full they are. Oh my God, how great. That's not necessarily the case when you look at Germany, you look at Spain and you look at Italy, but still it's like having the fans back is great, right? Even though those international games are not going to be as great, you're not going to have the star power for a lot of those, you know, especially the I feel so bad for the South American teams and uh, because those are your big players, right? This mm-hmm. affects you. Could help those countries that don't maybe have the the bigger name players. And, oh, well, all their players play locally or all their players play in other leagues that are not the EPL or it could help them get points. And especially in South American qualifying, 
that can make a big difference, right? Or or Asian and African qualifying, those things can make a difference because uh, especially the African, they have they have those uh, groups that yeah. they have to get out of first before they get into like the table. Even at let's say if the U.S. was part of that, right? Well, which you know the U.S. has to travel mm-hmm. uh, for two of those games to uh, El Salvador and. Is it? Do they have to travel for Honduras as well? Yeah, San Pedro okay. Sula. Yeah. So yeah, it's El Salvador, Honduras. If they were on that red list, and let's say you know Pulisic and Giorena can't uh, appear for the U.S. because of that, like you got to think about this is not like a case of oh when a player doesn't doesn't let them call up the player, right? This is for the protection of not only the player but the entire squad, and not having repercussions happen further, like you were saying, than just this and. I think FIFA needs to understand that as well, and they need to make modifications. And it's interesting because we still have at least a week before this all comes down. We could mm-hmm. see more and more of those leagues do the same thing. Yeah, and then it's it's really a bit, you know, it's really up to FIFA. What do we do in this instance for this? Yeah, because it's something that, un- as unfortunate as it is, it's going to be lingering throughout this entire season. Going yeah. into 2022. And then hopefully as we progress through 2022, as you get closer to the World Cup and Cutter, things yeah. improve. But for now, you have to be able to adjust and adapt on the fly. And also real quick, haven't gotten a chance to do this. Dan, we see your comment there. Absolutely. I mean, hearkening back to what we were saying with the referees calling fouls in the Premier League. Yeah, just like how you study tendencies of players, you study tendencies of referees, fouls, average number of cards, etc. That comes into play as well. Definitely understandable. He's got the right idea. Yeah, I definitely uh, agree with him there. I think it's a different perspective than what we were talking about. We're not, we're not trying to say the referees are making bad calls. No, uh, not over at all. And over anything. Just, like we see that a lot in the NBA will have referees get reprimanded because they're making bad decisions uh, right. consistently or, or whatever, you know. So going on uh, to looking at our, our supporters club, looking at our clubs here. And for me, already happened to have talked about uh, several <laughs> of my clubs already. So I don't have to belabor the point again that surprised me is, uh, is Dortmund. They got owned by Freiburg. And several instances in this game, Holland uh, didn't get the service that he got. Uh, in the first game, we saw some of that petulance in the Super Cup where Bayern just uh, had moments where they were absolutely clobbering them. And and this is going to be a problem for Dortmund. They look great in attack, but they are so vulnerable at the back. And you yeah. said, even though, yeah, Bayern got held to one, you pointed out that could have been five or six. And yeah. that back forward, that's got to be a problem that's going that has to be addressed as soon as possible. No, it definitely does need to be addressed. It's something that uh, they've got to look at going forward, you know. So, like for me, you know, Dortmund's got to correct that. You've got to figure out who you want to play in that midfield. I, I, I think maybe you need to start playing Holland up front by himself. Mm hmm. And and figure seeing if that works because I think they keep trying to figure out they played two different uh, players next to him neither one of them necessarily work like maybe just have an extra person in midfield to like just give him service to score and then if you know you get a rebound or whatever or or you you're having the fullbacks overlap or, or whatnot like it's just 
that's one of their problems. Is if you're not going to be able to defend at the back, you're going to have to score more, like we saw in the first game. You're going to have to start blowing teams out or keeping up the pace, and you're not doing that if you're not being able to get it to Holland for him to have the chances. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, America keeps winning. They beat Tijuana as well. They are. Like, I think they have like at least six or seven where they haven't been beaten. You know, this is going to be interesting uh, going into this this next match here uh, for them with Leon, which is uh, you know a bigger uh, threat. Yeah, this next game against Leon is going to be very interesting to really be able to tell you where America is. But right now they're they're five and one. They're number one in uh, Liga MX so far, uh, doing pretty well uh, as far as that goes. I talked about FC Dallas. Uh, I talked about uh, Man United as well. United uh, have another interesting fixture with Wolves, who just come off losing against uh, their old manager at Spurs. Let's see what kind of Wolves squad you're going to get. Raul Jimenez has some decent opportunities. Traore needs to figure out how to actually, you know, score in front of goal because that's their biggest problem. Traore in the, the first two matches has had opportunities in front of goal with just a keeper, and he cannot put it in. He's got to figure out something. Well, uh, I mean, it's not the first guy who's had those sorts of problems in front no. of goal. It's always the one every season. Yeah, definitely. And, like, uh, Valencia, once again, man, just they had some chances, but, but Granada really had their number uh, in that game. Uh, they scored early. They really defended well. Valencia got a cheap penalty. I mean, it's a penalty, but damn it, the 88th minute, <laughs> they get a penalty to be able to draw. So both their games, which are a win and a draw, the goals come from penalties. So far right now, <laughs> you're not looking very good as far as creating chances and then also like putting the ball in the net. Right now, you're having to relay on the referee and some some calls. Uh, to to get points, this is not looking good. I mean, yes, new manager and all that, and this is actually uh, their manager is going up against his old club here. But Luis Suarez on that counterattacking goal, splendid goal on on Granada's end. But man, Valencia just have not looked good in these first two matches, and you know now they they have to go against Alaves, who gave Real Madrid one heck of a game. You know, this past week, man, that was a thrill of a game. If you have uh, ESPN Plus, uh, definitely go check out highlights or go check out that game. That was a fun game to watch. So very interesting what will happen on Friday uh, for Valencia against Alaves on that one. Marseille, let's see what happens with them bouncing back from that whole drama. But uh, the interesting one was uh, AC Milan, who started the Serie A started this week. Uh, they scored early with Abraham Diaz, who's was loaned out from Real Madrid. He's not going to be there for two seasons after being there last year as well. So that's good for Milan, but no slots on in this. They were missing some players. Uh, they still look decent. Giroud had some chances uh, late and everything. You know, lengthened the lead, but Sampdoria looked really good too. Uh, so this was interesting uh, for Milan, but they squeaked by at the 1-0 uh, in the first game. So good for Milan, but man, when you look at, at the champions enter, who absolutely blasted uh, in their their first game. Juventus thought they were going to win after all the controversy of Ronaldo. He puts in the goal at the end, and and then he gets called back from VAR. So uh, <laughs> then what's funny is he still has to deal with that yellow card he gets for taking off his shirt, which is funny too. Like, 
why? If you didn't allow the gold, then why does he have to uh, have to deal with that? You know. Well, I um, mean, you, you know, you take off your shirt thing and you scored a big moment, but it's just like, whoops. That's why you. Yeah, see... but if you're if the goal got taken away and that's why he was celebrating, you should take away the yellow card as well, right? I, I'm with you on that yeah. one. You know, like you have celebrations; they have to be called away all the time. I don't get it. So, I mean, looking at um, how do you feel about about your clubs going forward? I mean, Atlanta has been on fire recently with their new coach, and they went in and uh, beat DC United. Yeah, I, I I wasn't terribly disappointed because I know Atlanta's back. I mean, you got Joseph Martinez. We at least and they have uh, Gonzalo Pineda is going to be the new new manager starting next week. So exactly. So we had a very solid effort, but I mean, when you've got a team like that who's got everything firing on all cylinders, you're you're really unlucky. So I'm not going to take that away from them. They didn't get blown out. Take the all-star break, reassess a little bit. You're still above the red line in playoff position. I'm giving him a pass for that one. And then to kind of ease things with Orlando City, they got a beautiful late winner. Times are good. I'm still saying keep this train going. For now, we're just about in September. I don't want to say a lot of stuff yet because I know what happened in the playoffs last year, but... I'm still feeling some mojo, and I almost never feel mojo, especially at this time of year. That's good that you're feeling it for, <laughs> for both your clubs. Like I'm just hoping Dallas just uh, gets some victories here, get you uh, get you further up, closer to that red line, uh, and not further back. I mean, they did have a long way to climb, but I mean, Austin, even though they looked good in their their game uh, this week after they had had some rough games as well, let's beat the other Texas team. Uh, get that get that out of there. Start with uh, their Lone Star supremacy first and build yeah, off of that. Yeah, exactly. Let's build off of that. So <laughs> any other uh, squad or anything else you want to talk about here? Something interesting that I've been looking at. Um, I'm just going to put this bluntly. Why do we suck at beach soccer? I mean, you have the Beach Soccer World Cup going yeah. on right now over in Russia, all places, which I didn't think that could be a thing, but it is. I've seen a couple of the U.S. matches against the Russian Football Union, a 5-4 extra time loss against Japan, another close loss. And they're were... close. They're close, but at the same time, going into this, I believe out of, what, 15 matches, we've only won three at that tournament. <laughs> And we never made it out of the group stage. So we're like, oh, well, if they don't make it out of the group stage this year, at least they have something to hang on to and all this progress. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Nobody yeah. sees a problem with this? I do. Yeah. Something that boggles my mind. Yeah, last in the group with Japan, Paraguay, and uh, Russia. Not great. I mean, but like, if you look at, look at, some of the leaders in, in some of the other groups, right? Like Tahiti mm -hmm. is up there with Spain. Tahiti does nothing. I mean, they have to even qualify for the for the Oceana side of it. So they, they have beaches. That to me is legit though. Right, but we I have beaches we have beaches too, but it doesn't mean that we're like should this, be a but this is exactly my soccer, point. Yeah. <laughs> this is my point. If Tahiti can be good at it, if Brazil who invented the sport 
can yeah. dominate at it. What are we doing wrong? Because we're not a world power in 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 soccer generally. <laughs> so like you're you're looking at beat soccer, which is even hard. I feel like it's even harder because you gotta like really push that ball to get through the sand and all that. Like it's not easy to. You really it's gotta intense. have skill. That's why I, I mean, look at Russia. Also, it's I mean, you don't really think about Russia as this. I mean, it's it's a really good European side, but they're not like this extreme soccer powerhouse. I mean, like if you look at every almost everybody else at you know, with Tahiti being an exception, like okay, Switzerland, Brazil, they're the number one in that group. I mean, Switzerland being ahead of Brazil is kind of surprising with beach soccer, but like you know, Senegal has been one of the uh, African teams that has made a rise. You know, Portugal as well. You know, Uruguay, like, of course, Uruguay has always been a soccer powerhouse. Like, so it's sort of the the ones you would expect. I mean, like, look, Mexico doesn't even make it to, in the Beats Soccer World Cup. And the U.S. did. So that's something, right? Like, at least you made it to the tournament. I, I don't know why we suck necessarily. But, I mean, look at the, the ones that, that have done well and the ones that are doing well. Uh, it's the usual, you know, some usual suspects there. So yeah, and I get that. And I mean, with crazy ones like you'd say, like Switzerland and everything, I've seen some beach soccer tournaments throughout Europe, and even the stadium that they built for beach soccer, which is also they use it for like a beach volleyball and stuff. Great, they go ahead and they invest in these things, and they make surprises. We can throw a little bit into that, too. I mean, it's not that hard for someone like us. No, but, I mean, only you and I and some of the hardcore, hardcore, hardcore people even know if there's a beach soccer World Cup at all. So, like, fair. I think we need to, like, temper those expectations. I mean, just think about it on a skill worldwide. Spain, Brazil, look at all the players that they just – have come out of the woodwork everywhere to be able to, uh, you know, be in a soccer tournament. There's soccer countries. Uruguay is a soccer country, Switzerland. You still should look at it as if you have a surplus of talent, that's going to extend to uh, beach soccer as well when it comes to the soccer landscape. So uh, it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise that Brazil is what, like yeah. the one that's won the most of these World Cups or whatever. Uh, yeah. So. So yeah. I, I get that. I'm just like, I'm not saying we have to go out there and be full-on contenders and make finals or bust or anything like that. But would it kill us to make a knockout stage every once in a while? Hey, at, le- at least we made it there. You know, that's what matters. So I think that's going to be it for us here. Uh, that Thank you for joining us. If you watch this on video, uh, if you're going to listen later on the podcast side, I appreciate that as well. Thank you for listening on the first episode back. That was uh, nice of you as well. And, you know, you can, if, if you're just starting to listen this week, we're available on all the podcast services that are available out there. We'll be back uh, next week, you know, with Rachel, hopefully. And hopefully you, again, let us know whether it's by email, w2network at gmail.com, whether it's hitting me up on Twitter at wtimshawn, at Squid Sportshead uh, for Eric, uh, at Rachel Krieger for uh, Rachel to let us know if you like the format. Uh, where we're not really breaking down games, stuff like that. We're kind of talking about topics and other things broadly. Until next week, see you all later, everybody. Peace!